in the sky, gazing far into the night. I raise my hand to the fire, but it's no use, cause you can't stop it from shining through. It's true, baby, let the light shine through. If you believe it's all right, welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Thursday's Theology Podcast, and this morning I am very, very excited to be joined by a fellow youth pastor, uh, and honestly somebody I look up to a lot uh, here in the Santa Barbara area, Pastor Fernando, uh, New Life Church. Thank you for uh, for joining us this morning. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. I'm uh, I'm excited too to be with you here. I've, I've heard and seen a lot, and so I uh, keep up with you online, so I'm excited to be a part of this. Thank oh, you. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Uh, we are currently sitting in your office, which uh, my first comment when I came in here was is that it was pretty much a stereotypical yeah. office. So, um, but uh, tell, tell us a little bit about uh, what this office used to be, because I think that that's a funny story as well. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of youth pastors out there or even youth leaders or volunteers at any church can, can, can relate with me that this room used to be um, a closet or a storage room. Mm-hmm. And so when I came in, I saw the potential in it. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to turn this into an office. So yeah, I, I turned this little square area into my little office. Nice. It's uh, it's funny. So, so we're going to get into the youth ministry mm-hmm. questions in a little bit. But what you just said is, I think, uh, one of the key hearts about youth ministry too, of like seeing a student, seeing the potential. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to transform yeah, that'll that preach, yeah. something. Yeah, so. <laughs> anyway, just a brief, uh, brief. You can uh, tell that Jeff is a youth pastor as well. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you come to be involved in youth ministry? Uh, how'd you come to be in Santa Barbara? So, yeah, so tell us a little bit about Pastor Fernando. Yeah. So I grew up in the church. Um, and the way that I like to say it is I grew up in the church, but not in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, you know, I went to church stuff my whole life. Um, you know, church, this church, that my mom cleaned the church. She was a Sunday school teacher, a choir director. Um, and so I've always been involved in church. Uh, but it wasn't until I turned about uh, 18 that I that I really took things seriously. It was a uh, one evening there was a youth conference, and um, the youth pastor or the youth leader, because there was no position of a pastor there at that church that I was at. The youth leader invited me to this gathering of uh, like a youth night, and so I hesitantly said, uh, actually I said no in the beginning. I, I you know I felt like I was too old. I was already 18. I was like no, that's for little kids. Sure. And so, but eventually I did. I ended up going. It was uh, really a move of God. And mm-hmm. so that night I gave my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. It was just a radical, radical um, night. Um, that group that was there was actually a visiting group from Dallas, Texas. By the way, I, this was in Denver, Colorado. Okay. This was in Denver, Colorado in 2017. Okay. No, 2007. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that was pretty recent. <laughs> Two years ago, I became a Christian. <laughs> in 2007. And okay. so this group was from Dallas, Texas, and they were from a small Bible college called Christ for the Nations. Okay. And so there was a traveling group. And so um, after the service, I asked, you know, where are you guys from? And so I got all this information because I just have never, I had never experienced something like that in my life. Mm. And so I took their information and a year later, I ended up in Dallas, Texas at that Bible college. Mm. Um, I do want to say that in that span of that one year, I connected myself and I bunkered into my church. Like I I went to the pastor and I said, what do you need? Mm. (laughs) And so for that year, I was mentored by the pastor. I was... I was at church cleaning toilets. I was setting up for the worship team. I, I just, I was enamored. I, I instantly be, just fell in love with God and with mm. his church. And so I just became a volunteer. Like 
I, I did everything nobody else wanted to do for like a year. Sure. And so in that in that in that year I was mentored by the pastor and the leaders there. And so anyways, a year later I went to Dallas, Texas, and that's when I started um I guess the story of me looking into ministry. Hmm. I honestly didn't think I was gonna end up being a, a pastor, uh, yet alone a youth pastor. Um, but Preach as it. as you and I Preach were it. speaking before the podcast, you know, <laughs> God always has a plan and, and I feel like he has a good sense of humor and he goes, okay, it seems like you think, you know, but let's just wait. Right. Um, right. But yeah, so I, but you know what? I do know that the day that I gave my life to Christ, that day I felt like the Lord put this burden on my heart and that burden was for youth. Mm. And, and I just felt like that. I don't know how or what or exactly how God wanted to use me in that area, but I just knew that God wanted me to minister to youth. So I knew that, but I didn't know how. And so as the years went by, the Lord kind of began putting steps in front of me. So I started school and there was this program in the third year where you would get plugged into like your specific major. In other words, like what is it that you want to do? Pastoral, children's, youth, worship, missions. I chose youth and they plugged me into a small church in Mesquite, Texas. Uh, Shout out Pastor uh, Dan Aleman. Uh, He was the pastor that graciously said yes to this young dude <laughs> uh-huh, um, uh-huh. and gave me an opportunity to lead his three, four youth. Yeah. Hey, that's how it started. Awesome. Mesquite, Texas. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, I think you, you pointed out something really, really interesting. And that is the, the idea of um, you grew up in the church, but not in Christ. And I think that that's an important distinction for, for a lot of people to understand, because I think, there's a misnomer that if you're just raised in the church, then automatically it means you're going to have mm-hmm. faith. Because I, I have a similar story to you where I grew up in the church. Um, I, you know, my, my parents are still fourth and fifth grade Sunday school teachers. Um, they were when they first started, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and they're still doing mm-hmm. it. Um, but I don't think I really understood or made a decision for Christ until my senior year of high school. Yeah. Um, and I actually... In high school, I got really, really involved in theater, like backstage, set design, light design. I almost went to Boston University for uh, theater design. Wow. But um, the $50,000 a year price tag kind of dissuaded me from going. Um, But I grew up in theater, or I grew up uh, doing theater in in high school and just kind of fell in with the the wrong crowd. And I was never really solid in my faith. I Mm -hmm. kind of took it for granted. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, my parents believe, therefore I believe. Um, So, yeah. Uh, my senior year, I just decided, like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this church thing mm-hmm. anymore. But it was my youth, my eighth grade youth leader, wow. who was still doing the middle school group, said, hey, why don't you come and be a counselor? And I was just like, I don't know if you want me to be a counselor. Like, I, I'm i not strong in my faith. Yeah. If I'm going to be responsible for youth, like, I, I don't know if I want to do that. And, and he said, I, I want you to come anyway. Uh, you'll be in my small group. You don't have to teach yeah. it. You just, just sit yeah. there. So for that year, he mentored wow. me, and that really transformed the way I, I saw yeah. uh, the role of, of yeah. youth ministry, the role of faith, the yeah. role of these deep questions. So, so yeah, that was uh, yeah. that was two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah, when that happened. No way. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you this, Jeff. Like you said something too that I, I think a lot of even those that are listening to this might even relate to is when somebody gives you the keys, um, it just something happens where you like. It, it, it empowers you. Yeah. Um, you know, when I told you that one year that I took to really be mentored at the church that I was at, you know, I really, they gave me a lot of little keys, little, you know, little by little mm-hmm. uh, responsibilities. And I just felt empowered 
And because I think we all feel like that at times, like, I don't know if I'm good enough. Um, but then there's people that God brings along who says, Hey, I see something in you. Yeah. Um, let me empower you to do what God has called you always to do. Yeah. And so that's pretty neat. That's yeah. I think, I think, and yeah, there's a distinction between growing up in the church and growing up in Christ. And honestly, I didn't hate the church. Yeah. I, I liked going to church. Mm-hmm. I liked going to, um, to the things that were, you know, that I was involved in, in church. Mm-hmm. Um, what I didn't say earlier is that around 12, my parents got divorced. Mm. Now that was a huge thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. that really, even if anything, pulled me back a little bit from, from God and church. Yeah, and course. so that, that really made a mess of a lot of things, but I knew that God had already been implanted somewhere in my heart as in like there was this hunger for him, mm-hmm. but I never like, I don't think I ever made like a full like decision. I'm going to go all in. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, looking back, I feel like the Lord just used everything. Um, and he set me up. Yeah. He set me up. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah. And I think there's a, there's a, um, well-known saying about, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, just like sitting in a garage doesn't make you a car. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, it's yeah. a similar thing to what we're talking about mm-hmm. where it, it, becoming a Christian and actually developing your own faith requires an active participation yeah. in it. Yeah. You know? That's true. Um, so one of the things I challenge my youth with is that, you know, I can tell them about the good news of Jesus until I'm blue in the face. And I mm-hmm. happily will. Yeah. But at some point they're going to have to decide for themselves. Make that decision. You know? mm-hmm. And I, I think um, if a youth group or a youth pastor is very um, aggressive, like you have to believe this, you have to understand this, you have to mm-hmm. do this. Like, then there's a whole host of other problems that might yeah. stem from that. Yeah. But for me, I've always understood because of my own personal story as a choice to opt into it. Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. the, the role that I have as a youth pastor, I see, is to tell the students how much Jesus has made an impact yeah. in my life. Yeah. And that, that same impact is available to them. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so Yeah, and you know what, Jeff? I think a lot of people who do what we do, or even volunteers as youth leaders, etc., I think we forget that at one point we were that young as well. Yeah. And also they forget how long it took for us to also get it. Yeah. Some, I don't know where I read recently, just in, just somewhere in, in a book or an article. I don't know where, so this isn't from me, but, but someone said, you know, there's this curse, um, that we have called knowledge and the author explains it like this. He said, um, that basically we forget that at one point we did not know. Yeah. So now that we know, we forget that at one point we did not know. Yeah. And so with our youth, sometimes we can get frustrated, but we have to remind ourselves. We cannot assume that they know. Yeah. And we cannot, we cannot assume that they uh, know the steps or the reasoning or the why, right? The why is very yes. important. Yes. Um, so you have to – that's why as youth pastors, some people might get bored of, we're talking about prayer again. We're talking about worship again. We're talking about God. We're talking about sin again. Yes. Because these are things that we need to get in our hearts. And sometimes, like, and you've heard this before, that the journey from your mind and your heart is a very long one sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I remember my, my middle school leader and the, and the guy who invited me into ministry, uh, his name was Jeff, too. Uh, shout out, Jeff Brana. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel guilty now because you shouted out your pastor, so I can shout out mine. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a lot of shout outs this morning. <laughs> um, so, Jeff, um, one of the things that he had was we middle school growing up uh, at our church was sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Uh-huh. So, yeah, same with me. Yeah, so coming here to Santa Barbara is weird that junior high is seventh and eighth. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a side note, but that's another podcast. <laughs> that's another podcast into itself. Um, but what Jeff had was he had a um, a two year 
teaching rotation. Mm. So he would cover the same topics over the course of uh, two years. Like he would have two years. So a sixth grader would hear this pretty much the similar talks as an eighth grader. Okay. Um, and the point being was is that he wanted to be able to begin their um, experience hearing the message and then end their experience hearing the same message, but maybe nuance it a little bit more. Oh, that's really neat. Um, so I was thinking about that. I was like, that is so interesting. And mm-hmm. I think it taps into, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you said earlier you were talking about um, your church history class mm-hmm. where how much liturgy is available to us mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. many uh, biblical reading plans are there throughout yeah. history just yeah. pointing us to, you know, a psalm, an Old Testament prophet, a New Testament gospel, yeah. you know? Yeah, I was, you know, I think... If anything, this is something that I that I've learned now years down the road as a youth pastor. I look back and I'm like, man, I, I made so many mistakes, but but you have to learn. And so I hope that someone listening to this can actually think about this maybe early on before you know it takes years for them to figure it out as I did. Although I'm reminded of that old saying also that smart people learn from their mistakes, but wise people learn from the mistakes of others. Mm-hmm. And so for me, walking away from the story of Saint Athanasius, as I was sharing with you early earlier about how I was doing uh, this research paper for my class, I was telling my wife, I'm going to use him in, the, in a sermon. Yeah. And I told my wife, there's so many church patriarchs that I've never talked about yeah. or that I've never looked into. Why haven't I looked into that? Yeah. And so uh, another curse would be the curse of wanting to be new. Yeah. And so us trying to reinvent the wheel or especially in youth ministry, trying to do something new, but the, the, the the key is there's so much there's so many good things available right now mm-hmm. that you can teach young people that you don't have to break your head in reinventing the wheel. And yep. there's so many good old prayers. There's some even as I say that old prayers, but like prayers in history mm-hmm. that have been used by saints in the past. They might not sound as cool or relevant, but these are powerful theologically Christ-centered prayers or songs or activities or spiritual disciplines that are out there for us that we have to revisit it we might that might be a key in growth and youth ministry and putting some of this like deep good stuff i don't know that's a whole nother thought but like you're right like there's a lot of good stuff out there why don't we use it yeah so there's a couple things uh one uh it makes me uh reflect on solomon writing in ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun (laughs) Right, so, right. You know, we might think we're on the cutting edge of, you know, like nobody's ever played this youth game ever. It's just like, oh, they played this back in the 50s. Oh, okay. right, right. And, you know, and, and I stumble that and I'm sure you have too. like, I, you know, I'm a sucker for youth books. And, oh, yeah. but sometimes I, you know, some of these books, I pick them up and I'm like, oh, it sounds like what this other dude talked about. Right. Or, and not that, you know, a lot of people have a lot of good things to say. And the Bible tells us that, that God has given us in the body of Christ teachers and gifted mm-hmm. teachers. But man, sometimes I'm like, this isn't something radically new. You know, yeah. the title kind of slayed me. It was yeah. like clickbait, but yeah. it's it's yeah. it's nothing new. Like, yeah. um, but um, but we have to tap into the stuff that actually works, and why not use it? Like the old saying, right? If it's if it ain't broke, why fix it? Yeah. And uh, so the the second thing, I'm gonna do a shameless plug to okay. an earlier podcast. Okay. Um. So um, I'm part of AGO, which is the Christian Fraternity. Um, there's a chapter at UCSB. I, I went to the chapter at UC Berkeley okay. where I did my undergrad. Um, but uh, there's a guy who graduated uh, a couple last year. Yeah, last year named Jake. And uh, I've had him on my podcast a couple times before. And we did a podcast called Summer with the Saints because oh, he, nice. he converted to Catholicism. Um, 
in his teen years, and he is one of the most knowledgeable wow. Catholic people I've ever met. Um, so we we got together and we started talking about, like as a Protestant, as somebody in the mm-hmm. evangelical strain, I my question was, why would it be important for me, mm-hmm. someone like me, to study the lives of the saints? Ooh, I want to listen to that podcast. Oh, it's great. It's great. But the, the reason I, I plug that is not only because it's relevant to our conversation, but um, historically, I think we have lost a lot of really good, deep mm-hmm. uh, material that yeah. the Catholic Church came up with. Yeah. Now, every faith tradition has its issues. Every faith tradition yeah. has its shadow side. Um, but historically speaking, the Catholic Church, um, with the Protestant Reformation and stuff like that, we... S- we went from one side of the pendulum to, you know, having holding the saints in high regard right. to like completely disregarding yeah. the saints. Yeah. So I think there needs to be a middle ground because one of the things that Jake said that was really, really fascinating to me to respond to the question, why should I study the lives of the saints? His response was not, you know, oh, because we need to praise them or we need to uh, pray to them or whatever. His response was because they have modeled what it looks like to live a life after Christ and we should pay attention. So to that. good. Yeah. Um, so it's just fascinating yeah. stuff. Like I, I'm yeah. reading right now through um, St. Augustine's Confessions. Okay. And man, that kid was messed up. <laughs> so um, there's a there's a line. Um, so my favorite band of all time is Switchfoot. Okay. Um, love them to death. Um, and one of the lines in one of their songs is, is every every uh, saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Mm-hmm. And I've I think, seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's great. It's just a great reminder that yeah. the saints are human too. Yeah. Like the saints are, yeah. they lived a different, mm-hmm. uh, difficult life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's... that's well, yeah, and, 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 and I, I totally, I think, again, this is something that I'm learning even now, which I have no shame in saying, yeah, like I'm just tapping into how beautiful our Christian history really is. Yeah. There's a lot of dark areas, yes. There's a lot of things that we can learn from and grow from. But now I'm tapping into like, whoa, this is a whole new resource that I, I, why didn't I look into this before? A, a lot of it has to do with culturally how I was brought up and all yeah. that stuff. And yeah. a lot of us have that same past. But yeah. but you're right. It's an amazing just thing to kind of tap into and kind of learn from the saints in the, or patriarchs in the past. St. Athanasius, by the way, was a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you, it, he, uh-huh. was just, he was just a mean, uh, some people, you know, thought he was mean. But uh-huh. then it just depends who you ask because... Right. For those that were like staunch, you know, you know, on on like, you know, false doctrine, they thought this is the meanest dude. We can't talk to him. But the thing is, he was just he had to stand his ground. He right. knew the Lord. He loved his word. And so for them, of course, he was a jerk. Right. But then you ask other people and, they, and, you know, there's accounts of his life. He was a humble, nice, gentle man. So like some part, some people thought he was a jerk and some people. So like maybe he was a little bit, but it doesn't like you said, everybody has. Everybody right. has their quirks. Everybody has their things. And, right. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I, I was encouraged to see that. I was like, well, maybe I'm not that much of a jerk sometimes. Or... Right, right, right. It, it, get, it gives me solace to, to know that. Like, <laughs> even the saints had their days. Yeah, even the saints had their days. That's cool. Um, all right, so we're, we're about 20 minutes into it, so, which is great. Like, this is, this is the, exactly the reason why, because I don't know if you know why I started this podcast, but I have a YouTube channel where I discuss theology, and... My, my first season, uh, not a lot of views because each episode ended up being about 20 minutes long. Okay. And nobody wants to sit down and watch a 20 minute long um, theology but, yeah. video. Um, so I decided to start the podcast as a way to have broader conversation. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is exactly what it's designed to do. Okay. Um, 
So I'm going to actually put you on yeah. the spot. Okay. Uh, I know I sent you a couple questions ahead of time, but That's fine. I, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. I was reading an article. Actually, no, it wasn't an article. Um, I'm part of a youth pastors group on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a great place where, you know, if somebody's like, hey, do you have any game ideas for 20 students? Um, it's a really good resourcing tool. Um, there are some really strange conversations that happen at some point. Um, but there was one person, there was one youth pastor, I believe it was in Nebraska, who posted that um, a local lead pastor, not the lead pastor at their church, but a local lead pastor talked about how for any church to hire a full-time youth pastor mm-hmm. is misallocating funds uh, of the church and, and not stewarding it well mm-hmm. because youth ministry, according to the pastor, was not biblical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we are both full-time youth pastors. Um, I got a little defensive, but then I started to dig in like, okay, well, what does that actually mean? Yeah. So that I guess that actually ties into our first question, and that is, one, I want you to, to mm-hmm. kind of chew on that and respond to it, but also, why is youth ministry important? Why is it worth hiring somebody mm-hmm. to do? Yeah. So, I think it's I think it's not the first time that's been brought up. There was a video a couple of years ago in youth ministry, and maybe you've seen it too, by a very a man that I that I actually like, and you know I don't always agree with him, but I like him. His name is Body Bacham Jr., and uh, he's a pastor out um, I think uh, in the south. Um, but anyways, uh, he's, he's a phenomenal preacher and, uh, but he has this video that basically talks about how youth ministry is, is not biblical mm-hmm. and, you know, he gives his points and stuff and it's a short video on YouTube and it was kind of shared around a lot in these Facebook forums on youth ministry and everybody's like, what do you think? You know? And so, yeah. So why youth ministry? Is it non-biblical? Is it biblical? So I think ultimately if you look into it. There's a lot of things that we do that are non-biblical, right? And yes. so, right, yeah. There's a lot of things that we do in the church, right? And so, um, just because it's not explicitly, um, you know, talked about in Scripture, doesn't mean that it's not biblical or that you know it's condemned or it's you know cursed. Um, yes, I think in a in a, in a sense, youth ministry should probably not exist if if families took um, seriously the role of priests in their homes mm, interesting okay and so um you know biblically i have two little kids i have a three-year-old who turns three this weekend and i have a nine month year old little girl so i have one boy and one girl my responsibility as a parent is to instruct them and to bring them up in the ways of the lord um you know and 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 that's my responsibility as a father and that's the responsibility of my wife as their mother mm-hmm. um but at the same time god has placed us in a community of faith you know as andy stanley says our faith is personal mm-hmm. right with god but it's not private mm-hmm. um we need yeah. to be together it's not just me and god and that's it it's there's a community of people also and so god has placed saints in the body of christ to also help us with the upbringing of our children yeah. you know as that old um, um the the program think orange um their whole philosophy is like the light of the church and the heart of the family coming together. You know, it's this idea of doing ministry with family together. And so it's my responsibility to bring up my kids. But at the same time, you know, God has placed a community of people to also help us. You know, the other day my son came home and he was singing this song. And it's like half in and half out. Like he was making his, uh, of his own lyrics. But the song was a song that he learned in Sunday school. And, but there's been many times where my son, his name is Zeal, 
he has said a one-liner that I'm like, where'd you get that? Mm. And it's from his Sunday school teacher, something about God and salvation and God loves me and all these things. It's like, wow, that's the byproduct of saints coming together to help raise families within the body of Christ. So are is youth ministry, our youth pastors, is that like, was that the biblical model? Probably not. But things have changed and and God has placed people in the body of Christ to help um, to help raise up and and lead our young people to know him. So the system that we've kind of developed because youth ministry, I think, is is fairly new, like a a youth pastor or or youth ministry and all everything that we do. It's not old like it's not like but like if you want to kind of if you want to look at it this way, like, you know, I've heard people say. Jesus was a youth pastor with his disciples or or like even if you think of like uh, Alexander and Athanasius like that was kind of like his youth pastor like a mentor right yeah, so yeah. um so that's kind of like the way that I see it is there like a specific place in in scripture where we see the role of the youth pastor right no but there are pastors there are shepherds there are people that God has placed also who have a a gifting and a calling to be a pastor or a shepherd right um like in the fivefold ministry then we specifically just because on a practical level we 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 tend to the younger ones. Yeah. But you know, I'm sure it happens with you, and I know it happens to me. I don't just minister to young people. Yeah, absolutely. And so my job isn't just like don't talk to me because you're not under 18. Um, I I I know that for me as a youth pastor, I I my calling is to pastor people. Yeah. And so. And that's a great point because when when I was in the search process um, for Community Covenant, uh, one of the things that I, I told them was is that you're not just hiring me to be a, a youth person because like you can you can hire a person to do just youth and that mm-hmm. would be fine. Mm-hmm. But if you are truly hiring me as a youth pastor, you're hiring me as a pastor mm-hmm. of the church, mm-hmm. and I take that call very seriously because mm-hmm. as I've, um, I mean. Youth is my focus, and youth is where I pour my, my right. energy into. But what I've noticed is, is that youth ministry is so much more expansive mm-hmm. than just youth. It's parent ministry. Mm-hmm. It's parent ministry. It's figuring out how, is there anything that the youth ministry can do to plug into the life of the church? Mm-hmm. Is there any, mm-hmm. uh, is recruiting older right. people from yeah. the congregation to yeah. be those witnesses? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I really, really uh, appreciate is, um, are you familiar with the Barna Group? Mm-hmm. So the Barna Group did a huge youth ministry research um, over the past like 10 years. And one of the things that came out of that was an interesting point of saying a student is more likely to stick with their faith when they Mm -hmm. go off to college if they have had uh, Mm -hmm. five or more Mm -hmm. adults besides their parents pouring into them. And that's that's a huge burden of responsibility on us because that means we have to find five other adults besides their parents pouring into them. Yeah. And I, I want to echo what you said about the role of parents and, and bringing them up in the ways of the Lord. Like that's an absolutely essential thing mm-hmm. because for, for my understanding of my role is, is that on a good week, I'll see a student maybe five, six hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of my role is to help mm-hmm. also equip parents because parents are the yeah. ones who are mainly deciding yeah. their students, you know? Yeah. And I'll even tell you this, Okay, so let's say that's kind of like the ratio that we have, right? Mm -hmm. But we also have kids who don't have parents that are following the Lord. Yes. So that's another reason why I'm a youth pastor. Yeah. Because I want to be an adult influence Mm -hmm. mentor to those who don't have healthy maybe 
adult figures in their life. Yeah. I have plenty in my youth group who don't have parents who come to our church, yeah. period. Yeah, and and that's okay. You we're trying and, and we're praying for them. And so another reason why I am in youth ministry is because I want to be a healthy um, adult who loves the Lord, who is consistent, who is of a good influence to them mm-hmm. as a mentor. Mm-hmm. You look at models like Young Life, um, FCA, Big Brothers and Big Sisters of America. All They have data that shows that having an, an adult consistently in a young person's life gives them a better opportunity at a healthier adulthood, mm. academically, mentally, mm. and as youth pastors, spiritually. Yeah, and I think you hit on another really um, kind of heartbreaking fact about our, our positions is, is that what you said is a consistent presence in their life. And uh, I think the last statistical research showed, you know, it's like, what, 12, 14 months is yeah. the annual yeah. stay of a youth pastor yeah. or the average stay of a youth yeah. pastor. We were joking around that about that earlier, but it's true. It's it's unfortunate that that's our goal. But unfortunately, also, yeah, it's we, we don't see consistently that long term yeah. relationship sometimes. And it's it's funny, too, because I was reading through um, a book called Sustainable Youth Ministry by Mark DeVry. Um, fantastic book. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah. one of the things that he said that was extremely challenging was is that he's just like, um, don't expect anything to grow or change or uh, be fixed until about three, four years in. And like, if the average stay of a youth pastor is yeah. 12 months, like, yeah. is anything ever going to change for the yeah. better? And it really challenged me because you, you said you're going into year five here. Year five here and in youth ministry, year 11. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the same with me. I'm going into year three here uh, in, in Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. But year 11 of, of youth ministry wow, overall. So, awesome. um, so yeah, I mean, it's there's something to be said about the longevity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. helping aid yeah. the ability for us to, yeah. to be better youth pastors. Yeah. I'm definitely, and I think, well, <clears throat> a one-liner would be like, you know, I'm not impressed on how big you are. I'm impressed on how long you've been in youth ministry yeah. and uh, shout out to Doug Rank, yep. a local, a local youth pastor here in Santa Barbara. He's, he's just a phenomenal man. And he, I really appreciate um, his presence in our lives here as yeah. youth pastors in Santa Barbara, because he embodies faithfulness yep. and, and you talk to him, man, he is the most humble, kind man. And, you know, if, you you he's just the best he's just the best resource we have of youth ministry here in town and i'm blessed by by people like him who have stood the test of time and said i'm gonna be here for this circle of people for the long run so yeah and i absolutely agree because i think that one of the more um influential things of, of his life is the fact that he you can tell just from meeting him and just from talking to him he could easily be a lead pastor. He could easily be yes. you know, a leader in his denomination. Yeah, of he course. could easily be somebody that travels around the, the country yeah. and, and speaks at youth conferences yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah. he has foregone all of that mm-hmm. for the sake of staying yeah. Yeah. true to his calling. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a uh, he's a uh, he's kind of famous. He's written books and stuff and nobody knows that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's lightweight famous. Yeah, he's yeah. lightweight famous. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. that's that's another reason why I would be in youth ministry. So all that to say, like, you know, is it is it anti-biblical? Man, look, God has placed people in, in, in certain places within the body of Christ to help equip the saints and to help build up people. Youth ministry just has to be one of those practicalities that we've kind of developed because 
just the culture that we're in, the time that we're in. Um, we don't have parents who are raising their kids in the way of the Lord. We don't have healthy adults that are, that are just being there. If you, at, even if they're not Christian, you're right. They're not being healthy adults or parents. And so as a youth pastor, I get to be a voice in their life. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And I think that that's where tying it back to what we were talking about, about, you know, honoring the history of the church and stuff like that. Um, that's where one of the ways that historical, um, reflection can, can go wrong because it's just like, Oh, well, you know, the early church didn't have youth ministry. So why are, why are we having youth ministry? And it's, it's not so much of saying like, Oh, well, we're going to try and be as close to the Acts two church as possible. Right. Um, right. It's a matter of saying like, okay, look at the time, look at the place in history that God has, mm-hmm. has put us and how can we best respond yeah. and care for the people that God has yeah. called us to care for. Yeah. Yeah. And even that, even if you want to get stuck on titles and all that stuff, even in, in history, again, going back to that, like, yeah, okay, there wasn't the title of youth ministry, but you're telling me that there weren't adults mentoring young people that you looked at, you look at that model in almost any religion and but in Jewish tradition, you see that happening a lot in, in adults mentoring and walking with these young people. So it's we're doing the same thing as many of the saints in the past have done. We just call it youth ministry. Right. Today. Right. Yeah. And again, like, yeah, there's no there was no like uh, formalized you know, doctrine of atonement in Acts 2. There was no formalized Catholic church in Acts or creed or creed or, you know, so there's. We can use history to our benefit, but we also have to understand that we are moving through history and we have to be mm-hmm. able to mm-hmm. adapt mm-hmm. Um, what we do mm-hmm. because otherwise it's just going to be outdated and stale. You know, like I, I take very seriously the, the um, imagery of being um, salt and what happens yeah. if we lose our saltiness, yeah. you know, yeah. we're not good for anything, yeah. but I think part of being salty or being, being salty. <laughs> That's our next po- podcast, uh, How Not to Be Salty. How, how Not to Be Salty. I Okay, so side note, I came up with a, a couple of, of hashtags that my youth just rolled their eyes and groaned at. So, um, I want to hear these. Uh, be salt, not salty. Okay. And uh, be light, not lit. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm definitely going to take those and our kids are going to hate you. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. That's so, good. Oh, okay, so anyway, um, youth ministry. Yeah, the, the point being is, is that I, I think that part of our role of being salt is to figure out how to draw out the, the, the flavor and and the the purpose and the mm-hmm. intention of people mm-hmm. in the here and now. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, you know, studying Athanasius and Augustine may not help. Um, mm-hmm. It might help, you know, give us a better understanding of, of human yeah. psychology. <laughs> And human sinfulness, but it's not going to help us in a one-on-one where a student is coming from yeah. an abusive household yeah. or coming from um, mm-hmm. bullying or, or whatever. We we have to be the interpreters yeah. Yeah. Uh, of our that's good of our context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, some people have that gift, you know, and some people don't. We work and wrestle with it. But just this morning, I had a de- devotional with some of the boys that uh, that are part of our youth group. And today I did a, something a little bit different. I said, let's talk about a list of things that we could talk about in the next couple of months. And the list of things was kind of funny, but at the same time, I'm like, that's why I'm in their life. They want to talk about flat earth, <laughs> okay. Okay. UFOs and okay. aliens. Okay. okay. Uh-huh. Hell and heaven. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's good. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, uh, salvation. Uh, can you lose your salvation? Can you not lose your salvation? Uh-huh. Things like that. Wrestle with uh, some of that stuff. Um, and the Nephilim. 
right? They want to talk about Nephilim. They want to talk about um, how many heavens are there. Um, yeah. Things like that that you're like, oh, you want to talk about that? All right, let's yeah. do it. So, again, there's no, like, I think I think the important thing in all that is that there's an adult that's saying, all right, I'll listen to you. Yes. Let's, let's wrestle with that. Absolutely. In fact, last week at youth group, um, there's a uh, – ninth grade girl that's been coming pretty regularly and uh every single time she comes to youth group she hits me with a theological question like she might not think explicitly that it's theological in nature but like last wednesday we were running around playing a game and i'm you know walking around just kind of supervising mm-hmm. and, and she comes up and she's like so are there any dragons in the bible <laughs> so i was like awesome let's have this conversation let's do it <laughs> and it's just being adults in their life and saying, I'll take you for what you're saying right now and let's talk about it. Right. And just being consistent. So I love what I do. I love being a youth pastor. Sometimes I get hit with some 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 good theological questions, some hard ones too. They also a young lady last night also asked me, like, as a man, what do you think about abortion? I'm like, Ooh, mm, wow. I like that that wow. question. Why? Because it's happening. It's yeah. happening, yeah. it's real. And so And us as youth pastors, we can't ignore that. No, no, no. And, and she might not feel comfortable asking her parents. She might not yeah. feel comfortable asking it anywhere else. But in that context, it was a small group. And so we were, we were like, all right, let's 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 follow up with that. Now, I didn't give her a one-liner. Sure. I didn't give her a, like, a black and white answer. Yeah. And I asked her what she thought about it. And I wanted to hear her heart. And you know what? When she told me kind of her opinion, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't like, oh, I can't believe you think like that. Right. But it was more like, okay, let's 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 talk through this. Help yeah. me understand why you, why you're looking at it this way. Exactly. And so, but and that's so invaluable because it helps cultivate an understanding yeah. where this is a place that we can talk about it. Yeah. And that's something I really, really believe at the heart uh, of my own youth ministry is, um, I, the, <laughs> the tagline is uh, to cultivate a culture of curiosity. And, I like that. And that, for me, is the ability to just tell students, like, there's nothing off limits that you can ask about. Yeah. You know, yeah. because flat earth, mm-hmm. that's that's <laughs> not something that we're going to, like, theologically debate with a student. It's not something that we're going to, like, sit down and be like, you're thinking heresy if you believe in that. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it's something yeah. like, oh, tell me more. Why, why, why do you think that? Yeah. You know, why, why is that important for you? You know, specifically for that question, for them, someone had brought up something about the Bible and flat earth. And I'm like, okay, see, they're not just asking it to like poke at their youth pastor. Yeah, 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 they yeah. legit want to know, is this really in the Bible pastor? Yeah. All right, let's talk about it. Let's see. Let's wrestle with this together. So. Yeah. And I think that that, um, you said you're, you're, uh, working through your MDiv. Um, I think that that's such a great application of our, of our degrees, you know, like yeah. it's, yeah, we can write a paper on Athanasius and, and all that stuff. But the students who ask like, are there dragons in the Bible? Like, what, what does the Bible say about flat yeah. earth? Like, yeah. that's that's what we're going to school for. Yeah, that is what yeah. we're going to school things, to be able yeah. to talk. And about sometimes it. things things they don't teach you in seminary. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But okay. Well, um, thank you, Pastor Fernando, so much for your thoughts. Um, thank you for just the work that you do because I, I tell this to every youth pastor I, I interview that you are doing work that. Um, is invaluable to the kingdom. So thank you so much for, for your witness to students. Thank you so much for your heart for students. And um, yeah, I'm excited because I, I'm i going to say on air right now, and you don't have a choice, um, this isn't going to be the last time you're on one of these. So thank you. So I'm, I'm roping you in for, for another uh, episode at least. Um, but yeah, so thank you very much. Uh, yeah. Really, really appreciate thank it. Thank you.
And uh, yeah, uh, thank you for listening. This has been the Thursday's Theology Podcast. And uh, remember, theology doesn't always have to be difficult. It is simply the study of who God is. Take care. We'll see you next time. Into the night, I raise my hand to the fire, but it's no use, cause you can't stop it from shining through, it's true.